Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sherry. This story has been covered on a ton of podcasts, and there's even an episode of the show Disappeared devoted to this case. It involves a young man who was only 19 years old. In 2013, Bryce was a sophomore in college, and he enjoys partying and other things college kids like to do. There wasn't much difference in Bryce and others his age. Well, one day he starts acting bizarre, and his friends are so concerned, they they actually reached out to his parents, who were seven hours away. The next few days would turn their lives upside down. This is episode 20, The Disappearance of Bryce Laspisa. At the time this story takes place, it's August of 2013. I'll get into Bryce's background in a minute, but first let's take a trip down memory lane to 2013 and what was going on in the world at the time. Obama was president. There was also that temporary government shutdown. You guys remember that? France had finally lifted its 200-year law that forbid women from wearing pants while visiting Paris. Until then, you had to wear a skirt, which I never knew that. One of my favorite bands, Rush, was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And lastly, it was also sadly the ending of the show Breaking Bad. It's hard to believe that it's been seven years since 2013. Bryce was born to parents Karen and Michael on April 30th, 1994. He was their only child. From everything I've gathered, they gave Bryce a really good life and they were supportive and he was pretty much their entire world. It was just the three of them and they had a good life at home with nice possessions and a nice home. Bryce was a typical kid and began getting interested in art. He was an amazing artist, and I saw some of his drawings. He looks like he could have been a tattoo artist with the way his designs were really intricate and detailed. I found Bryce's old Facebook page, and he's got some of his drawings up, and it was mostly just him talking about his school schedule and smoking weed. It looked like any typical teenager in 2013. I went back as far as 2011, and he was bitching about being grounded by his parents. Again, just a typical teenage boy. Bryce grew up in Illinois, and he lived there through his whole childhood. After Bryce graduated high school, his parents decided that they were going to retire early, which sounds absolutely amazing, and the three of them pack up and they move to sunny California. So Bryce finds a college there called Sierra College, and he decides this is where he wants to go to school. Now, this college is seven hours north of his parents' new house, but he's 18 and he's ready to be independent. His parents are a little leery that he'll be so far away, but they could make it there in less than a day if they needed to. Bryce finishes his freshman year at college, and things are going pretty well. He moves back in with his parents for the summer. He seemed happy and healthy and was partying and making friends. Everyone liked him. He seemed like the life of the party in the photos and the posts that I saw. He's posing goofy with friends. He's painting himself with his school colors. He seems completely normal. It's now August of 2013, and he's ready to start his sophomore year at Sierra College. He lives on campus, and he has a girlfriend named Kim who was 90 minutes north of his college. Well, the first two weeks of school don't go so well. Bryce is drinking heavily. I know he's a college kid, and that's what they do, but this seemed way excessive. 
Friends say he was going through two-fifths of Jack Daniels in one weekend, and just thinking about that gives me a splitting headache. <laughs> He's also acting bizarre. He was taking a drug named Vyvanse. It's basically generic for Adderall, and Adderall is pretty much just legal meth. He didn't need Vyvanse, so he was getting it illegally. It's used to treat ADHD in people and will make them seem less hyper. But if you don't suffer from ADHD and you take Vyvanse, it will have the opposite effect on you. It will make you be able to stay awake for long periods of time. His roommate said that Bryce would take one so he could stay up all night and play video games. So Bryce's roommate is getting concerned because of his behavior, and he grew even more concerned when Bryce started giving away his possessions. He gave one friend his Xbox, which was like his favorite thing. He also gave his girlfriend Kim his mother's diamond earrings. Now, Karen said Bryce would have never done that since they were like a family heirloom, but he did in fact give them away. If you're familiar with people who have committed suicide, this is usually what they do beforehand. This may be why Bryce is doing that, or maybe not. We'll get into that soon. Bryce's roommate is wondering what to do with him. It's about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. He decides to call Bryce's parents and explain that Bryce is drinking heavily and not acting right. His parents are like, wait, he spent the whole summer here with us. He's only been gone for two weeks, and now you're telling me he's acting strange. I totally get it. I know that a healthy teenage boy can get addicted and go downhill in just a matter of weeks. I'm all too familiar. And I also understand that they don't want to believe that their baby is capable of addiction. They don't really know what to do because they don't know if this is just him being a typical college kid or if this is something more serious. They knew he liked to go out and party, but they know a lot of other college kids do that as well. So what makes him any different? I can tell you in my younger years, there wasn't a single time that my friends would have ever thought to call my dad and say, come get your daughter. So I know his roommate would have had to have been pretty concerned. Karen tells them to put Bryce on the phone. Karen and Michael talked to him, and he's, they said he seemed fine. He didn't seem out of character. Bryce is telling them it's cool, everything's fine, don't worry about me, Mom. Karen offers to come out there and get him, and Bryce tells her, no, don't do that. And then he says, there's some really important stuff I need to talk to you about later. Bryce then breaks up with his girlfriend, Kim. He messages her and says, you're better off without me. The next day, Bryce drives to Kim's apartment, which is an hour and a half north of his apartment. I guess they're going to discuss the breakup and officially end things. Well, while he's there, Kim calls Bryce's parents and says, Bryce is acting strange. He's taking ADHD medication and he's not fit to drive. She took his keys and she's not letting him drive back to his school. Karen tells Kim to put Bryce on the phone. Bryce convinces his mom that he's okay and Kim is just upset because he broke up with her and that's the reason she's keeping his keys from him. She doesn't want him to leave. Karen and Mike said Bryce seemed completely normal on the phone and nothing alarming was really showing. So Kim gets back on the phone with Karen and Karen tells her Bryce is fine and to give him his keys back so he can drive back to his apartment. Remember, mom and dad are over 500 miles away. They only have Bryce's word to go on that he's okay. They can't physically see him. 
So Kim reluctantly gives Bryce his keys because his parents had asked her to. Bryce leaves and says he's going back to his apartment. It's around 10 o'clock p.m. at this point. So around 1 o'clock a.m., Karen receives a call from her son, and she missed the call because she was asleep. She sees it the next day and thinks it was just Bryce calling to let her know that he made it back okay. It's later revealed through phone records that when Bryce made that call, he was actually an hour away from his apartment in a remote, isolated area. Karen and Mike call Bryce's phone, but he's not answering. So they call his roommate, and the roommate tells them that Bryce never came home last night. Now they're scratching their heads because they thought he was going back to his apartment. At 11 o'clock a.m., Bryce's parents get a voicemail from their emergency roadside assistance provider. It was like a follow-up call. Bryce had used their emergency roadside service they had on his Toyota Highlander two hours prior. The reason he called for assistance is because he had ran out of gas in Buttonwillow, California. He had traveled 350 miles past his apartment before running out of gas. The good news is that this is only three hours from their home, so they assumed he was traveling to their house. I want to explain the area that Bryce is in. Buttonwillow is a tiny little town that literally has a service station in it, and that's it. There's nothing there. The population is 1,500 people. I looked at photos of this place, and it's literally just tumbleweeds and abandoned stores, and it looks really lonely. I apologize if there's any listeners from Buttonwillow, California. It just seems really boring. So when Bryce called for emergency roadside service, Three gallons of gas get delivered to Bryce by a man who works at a local service station named Christian. Christian brings the gas to Bryce and puts it in his tank and leaves. Karen and Mike wait around for Bryce to show up, and he's still not appearing at their house. He's not answering his phone. So they decide to call that service station in Buttonwillow to see if they can talk to the man who delivered the gas to see if they can if he can give any indication of Bryce's condition or if anyone was with him. They actually get to talk to Christian, and he says, yeah, I brought him out his gas, and he seemed fine to me. They explained to Christian the reason why they're so worried, and he said, look, I'll go back out there and make sure he's gone or whatever. It's only right up the road. This service guy, Christian, is really going above and beyond, in my opinion, and that was really kind of him to do that. He goes back to where he delivered Bryce's gas hours before and is shocked. Bryce is still sitting in the exact same spot he was in when Christian left. So Christian goes to the window and hands Bryce the phone and tells him his mom is on the line. She's like, what are you doing, dude? Why are you just sitting in your car for hours? He brought you gas. Why didn't you leave? What are you doing? Bryce says, nothing. Christian gets back on the phone and tells Karen that he seemed okay. His eyes were just red. So they tell Bryce, just start the car and finish driving home. We'll deal with everything when you get here. Just drive. Nine hours later, Bryce still hasn't shown up to their house. They tracked his phone and found that he had only moved eight miles in nine hours. No one knows what Bryce was doing in those nine hours, but it, it appears that he was just sitting in his car. He's still in this little town of Buttonwillow. There's nothing to do there. Remember, it's just fields and stuff. 
I know what some of you are thinking because it's the first thing I thought of myself. Why didn't one of his parents just drive out to him? I don't have an answer for that. I'm not going to judge them for that. We don't know if these weird spells were normal for him and they knew he would just snap out of it. I'm sure they spend every moment of their lives now wishing that they would have just gotten in their car and drove there. Much like Matrice Richardson's mom, you guys remember her case? Her mother spends every day wishing she would have just picked her up from that police station and her situation would have never happened. No one really knows how they would act until they're in that situation. Bryce's parents contact the California State Highway Patrollers and explain the situation, and they send a deputy out to Bryce's car to check on him. They find him just sitting in his car on the side of the road. He's not talking except for a few words. So they perform a field sobriety test, and he passes. They search his car and don't find anything illegal. The officer tells him he needs to call his parents, and he says he doesn't want to. So the deputy dials the number for him on his cell phone. Bryce gets on the phone. He tells his parents he's fine and he's going out to hang out with friends later. They ask him, what are you doing? He says, I'm just putting my stuff back in the car since this officer searched it and had to take everything out. Bryce is 19 years old. He's not drunk or acting inebriated. He doesn't have anything illegal in his car. The deputy can't hold him there or take him to the station because he has no legal reason to do that. So he has to let Bryce go. An hour later, Bryce is still sitting in Buttonwillow. He goes to the gas station and purchases a soda. He also purchases $39 in gas. Bryce calls his mom and says he's on I-5 and he'll see her later. She stays on the phone with him. She's asking him to describe some of the roadsides around him. He says there are none. She says, well, look around. What do you see as you're driving down the highway? He says, there's just trees and stuff. But he says his GPS is showing that he'll be at her house in three hours. She's like, okay, just keep driving. You need to eat and sleep. Just come straight home. Don't stop. About 20 minutes later, it's around 2 o'clock a.m. at this point, Bryce calls his mom and says he's tired and he's going to pull over and try to get some sleep. She's She knows he's been awake for a long time, and she's okay with him doing this. She tells him to sleep for a few hours and then continue on to their house once he wakes up. This was the last time Karen would ever speak to her son. Except Bryce didn't pull over and sleep on the side of the road. Instead, he kept on driving. He would spend the next hour and a half driving to Castaic Lake. This is a state recreation area. Well, there is this camera that takes photos of each license plate that enters the park. The camera catches Bryce's car going through it three different times. He literally just drove around this park for hours. It's so bizarre and no one can explain why. So just to recap a little bit, Bryce left his girlfriend Kim's apartment at night. Remember, he was acting bizarre and giving away his possessions. He never went back to his apartment. He ran out of gas 350 miles past his apartment. He gets gas delivered to him. He stays in the same area out in the middle of nowhere for nine hours sitting in his car. He tells his mom he's driving now and he'll be there in a little bit. Then he says he's going to pull over and sleep. Then he's driving around a state park for hours at 4 o'clock a.m. None of this makes sense. Also, remember, Bryce said he had something important he needed to talk to his mom about. 
No one knows what it was, not his friends or his parents. Well, what happens next? No one can explain. At 5.30 a.m., Bryce's car is spotted crashed at the bottom of a ravine. The police are the ones who found it because they actually were arriving that morning for some kind of training exercise. Bryce had driven down the ravine, but it was determined that he was accelerating the whole time he was going down it. His Toyota Highlander landed on its front grille on a road below and then came to a rest on its driver's side. Forensics determined that as he was accelerating and going down the ravine, he was unearthing big rocks below him. He's doing major damage to his car just by going down the hill. And then it landed on its front grill and then on its side. They look in the car and they find Bryce's cell phone, his laptop, and his wallet. They assume whoever is in this car, remember, they don't even know who who was driving or anything, They assume whoever was in this car is seriously injured with how bad the wreck is, but they can only find a very small amount of blood. They find the rear window was smashed from the inside, so they assume this is how Bryce got out of the car. There was a duffel bag found in the back of the car, and it was unzipped. This, The lead investigators, they believe that Bryce had removed something from the bag before he left the vehicle. They have this major accident scene, but the driver is nowhere to be found. They assume the driver was speeding down the embankment so his vehicle would land in the lake as a way to commit suicide, except the vehicle didn't land in the lake. It landed overturned on a paved highway. A major search is underway, but there's no sign of Bryce anywhere. Many believe that is exactly what happened. Bryce was attempting to commit suicide, but failed. He could have hit his head pretty hard and just wandered off incoherent and delusional. He could have walked out to the lake and drowned. No one knows what happened. Two weeks later, there seems to be an answer. A body is found near where the crash site happened. The body is on fire and smoldering. Forensics determined that this was not Bryce. The body belonged to a Hispanic man who had been shot multiple times. Three people were charged in his death. I believe it was drug and money related. It had nothing to do with Bryce. It just happened to be in the same area. A massive search is still taking place. Search dogs were brought in and they tracked Bryce's scent from the vehicle all the way out to a truck stop, and that's where his scent ended. This leads people to believe that Bryce was picked up or willingly left with someone at that truck stop. The family hires a private investigator, and her theory is that Bryce's drug-induced psychosis may have led him to acting bizarre and then driving his car down a ravine. If you remember back to the Brandon Lawson case, you'll remember police thought this is what happened before he took off. The lake was searched and there was no sign of Bryce. If he would have drowned, his body would have floated to the top in seven to 10 days. They also used sonar equipment and so on, so he's definitely not in that lake. One thing that keeps sticking out to me is that Bryce said he had something important he needed to talk to his mom about. No one knows what that could be. His family and friends say he was pleasant and lucid in the days before he disappeared. He wasn't crying or depressed. Did he give his items away? Not because he was planning on committing suicide, but because he was going to start over with a new life. 
His family doesn't believe he committed suicide, nor do they believe he would be in hiding almost eight years now. A couple days, maybe, but not for this long. In the hours leading up to his disappearance, Bryce wandered the area of Buttonwillow for hours and spent time sitting in his car for inexplicable reasons. This could suggest a number of things. First, he could have been debating what he wanted to do, go home, commit suicide, or make a break for it. Or he could have been waiting for a ride that never showed up. Was someone secretly picking up Bryce to take him away to his new existence? Did Bryce spend so much time in Buttonwillow because he was waiting on a drug dealer? No drugs were found in his vehicle when the California Highway Patrol searched it, nor when it was found abandoned. He also ran out of gas in Buttonwillow, and that was where he stayed after he got gas delivered to him. Well, one Reddit forum I was browsing had a lot of people saying the same thing. If you're waiting on someone to show up with drugs, you'll sit there a long time, all day, in fact. If you're strung out, you won't even blink because you'll be afraid you'll, you'll miss your dealer. What are the odds that he would be meeting someone right where he ran out of gas in this little one-horse town in the middle of nowhere? The only sighting the family really had, holding, had them holding out hope was there was a man that was found who looked strikingly similar to Bryce. He was living in a homeless camp in Santa Clarita. I saw a photo of the guy. He's got long, scraggly red hair, and he's about the same height as Bryce, but it turned out not to be him. I don't have a theory on if Bryce is alive or dead. It's possible that he hitched a ride at that truck stop since the dogs indicated his scent stopped once they got there. I hope the family is able to get some closure and bring Bryce home someday. Bryce's parents still work tirelessly trying to find their son. If Bryce is alive, he would be 26 years old today. He has a large tattoo on his upper left arm of a Taurus symbol, so people should look out for that. Bryce seems like he would be easy to spot. He had fire red hair, a huge smile, and he was pretty tall. He wore a size 12 shoe. Wherever you are, Bryce, I hope you're happy, whether it's here on Earth or out in the cosmos. You aren't forgotten. That's it for this week. Thank you for all for listening, and I'll see you guys in two weeks. Take care, and much love to you all.